everyone. Welcome to the Literary Lounge. I'm Paige. And I'm Emily. And today we have a very special guest on the pod. It is my brother-in-law, Chris. Hello. Thank you guys for having me. Welcome. Thanks for coming on. We're excited to have you. Today we are going to be talking about Tender is the Flesh by Augustina Besterica. Um, If you have read this book, you should keep listening. We're going to deep dive into the story and we have a lot of questions that we need to answer. Um, It is a very fucked up book I would say yeah (laughs) uh it's very gory um but just so you know there will be spoilers so if you haven't read it we recommend you to stop here and go read it and come back and listen when you have we should talk about how we basically trapped Chris into this situation (laughs) (laughs) so when we decided we wanted to start doing this podcast Chris was actually with us and he just like he had like really funny like points of view on yeah. things and we were like oh my god we need to like give him like the most fucked up book we've read <laughs> and have him on the podcast <laughs> like the most like i would say it's like pretty controversial like it's just if you read it you know like you know yeah but um yeah we just wanted to give him like a really messed up books we wanted to hear his opinions on I th- it i think i can just have pretty outward opinions on things and <laughs> with us being a little bit closer those maybe come out a little more than they should so um, th- I think this book is going to bring them out. Yeah, we're excited. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we really want to know like what you have to say about this book. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, our question of the week is: What's the grossest thing that you've ever eaten, Chris? Do you want to? Gosh, yeah. I guess when it comes to grossest, I'll, uh, I've eaten a guinea pig before. What? <laughs> Um, (laughs) believe it or not, that's kind of like a staple in the Peruvian, um, culture. So it's a pretty popular dish. It's more so known for like the stuffing inside of the guinea pig than it is the actual guinea pig itself. Um, but I did eat the guinea pig. So yeah, I would say that's probably my number one. Well, you've been to Peru a couple times now and I went with you the second time and I refused to eat that. The Mm -hmm. alpaca too. Alpaca is there too. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Em? Probably dog shit. Oh <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. No, I wrote this question for today's episode, but I am, like, such a princess. I don't eat, like, anything, like, remotely out there. Hmm. I would say probably, like, the grossest thing I've eaten would be, like, Birdie Bots, every flavored beans. Like, did you eat those as a kid? Oh, you yeah. try, like, the... The puke flavor, like the earwax, like that's about as venturous as I could get. Really? In my life. Yeah. You've never tried like any like insects or anything? No. Really? No. Huh. I haven't. Either. If I've eaten something like really nasty, like a bug or shit or whatever, like I don't know about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's wow. See. Well. What about you? Speaking of insects, <laughs> when I was younger, um, I was having a sleepover at my friend's house. And we were eating breakfast. So do you know about the cereal that has like those like little like yogurt bits in it? Mm-hmm. Well, we were eating that and I was like halfway done and I like look in my bowl, like really look and there was like little maggots Stop. in the cereal <laughs> and I already ate half of it. Oh my so, God. Yeah. 
that takes the cake in my opinion. That is so gross. That is the grossest thing I've ever eaten. And I am I am still traumatized by cereal to this day. Like growing up after that, like at my parents' house, I always asked like how old the cereal was. <laughs> because like I like and like if a cereal sits in my cupboard too long, I won't eat it. I just throw it away. Okay, you just never know with that thing though. Like yeah. not gonna throw a company under the bus, but like one time went to like a craft show, right? Where they like a lot of the brands like people make their own soup mixes or whatever like I got one and like waited it was under a year waited made it and like in the boiling water I saw like dead maggots like rising in the boiling water and I was like well thank god I was paying attention like you know how many like soup packets I have from like tastefully simple or like is that the place no but like that's it's a similar situation I have so many in my cupboard that are well over three years old should I throw them? <laughs> yes. Maybe just check your boiling water. <laughs> so I'm very much on the side of if anything's even remotely like questionable, yeah. it's in the garbage. Oh, I'm like the <laughs> opposite. No... Like I will push stuff like milk, like two weeks old, like sniff God. test. Well, wait till the day you if make it. You won't push needed, anymore. <laughs> if it's needed, it's garbage. I'll die on that hill. Oh, okay. But okay. Like coffee creamer lasts a long time. I sniff it. I'll sniff milk. It's it's a lot harder like when you're pregnant because like you don't want to like risk that with like listeria yeah. and stuff. So like mm-hmm. I'm I'm more like cautious about it now. But like milk, I always smell it. Or like if it's like juice, I'll smell it. But like if it's if it's like dry goods for some reason, <laughs> or like canned goods, like I'm just I can't. Better safe than sorry. That's all I got to say. The thing about yeah. sniff testing milk, though, is that it never smells good. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so I'm true. always like, well, that smells not as bad as yeah, like the other true. one I sniff tested. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I, I hate milk, but I've had I've had to drink it like with cereal and stuff. But And maggots. <laughs> yeah. Nasty. It was, it was wow. pretty gross. Yeah, so uh, moving on from that, <laughs> um, today's drink is the Mad Butcher IPA. I think it's like a it's a Mankato brewery, right? Yep, Mankato yeah. brewery here in Minnesota. Um, just it seemed perfect for today's discussion. <laughs> so very perfect. We've been putting those down. If you um, just heard Chris crack his open, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the cartoon animation on it is really fitting. Yeah, if, you've I- never had if it, nothing so. else, like branding on this beer. But I will say this is a very beloved Minnesota beer. And I'm not a huge IPA person, but I do like this one. Yeah. Again, another one to add to the list for when I'm not pregnant anymore. Yeah, <laughs> she's she's ready. Good yeah. to try it. I've I've literally never like heard of a pregnant person craving beer, but I crave beer all the freaking time. Honestly, <laughs> so though, you, like you crave the things you can't have. True. Mm-hmm. True. Very true. Yeah, I am cracking open a beer sometime soon after pregnancy. Yes. <laughs> All right, well, should we get into it? Let's do it. Sounds good. So with this book, I don't think we need to go too much into this happened and this happened and this happened. I think we can just talk about the concept overall because if you've read this book, you know that there's so many like thought-provoking themes underlying situations that we need to just unpack today so just to give like the real quick premise of the book our main character Marcos he is a manager at like a meat processing plant and if you've read this book you know that the meat is called special meat it's actually 
human meat. So it's a dystopian book where animals become infected with a virus. It makes them inconsumable for humans. And it's also to the point where humans can cannot even coexist with animals. So it's really sad, but like right off the bat, people are forced to execute like their pets or abandon them because they're dangerous to be around, supposedly. And so slowly society moves to cannibalism. It starts with like some people are doing it illegally, you know, murdering people and using them for meat. And then it gets to the point where large corporations are are influencing the government to just make the switch. Like, we are going to be okay with this. We are going to become a cannibalistic society. And to the point where then it's factory farmed, it's large production quantities of human meat. And so this book, if you haven't figured it out already, is very hard to digest, no pun intended. (laughs) Um, So like I said, our character, he works for a processing plant. So we get a taste of what society looks like in very different forms. First being, I will go through all the different places that he goes throughout his journey, but um, I want to talk quick about his background and kind of like the things that he's going through in his personal life. Um, So first thing is that his wife is no longer living with him. She left because she is severely traumatized by the loss of their child. And so he is living alone, coping with all that. His wife is living at her mother's house. His father is in a nursing home because he has dementia. So there's a lot of different things going on with him aside from the fact that he's living in this horrific society. Um, Yeah, it's tough. Like his, his little boy like died in his sleep. And so that's just like constantly lingering in his head, this whole story. Do we know if it was like from the virus? Did they, like, specify that? They didn't say that it was because of the virus. And that's actually a great point there alone, like, hearing how the virus, like, affected all animals, so Mm -hmm. aren't we considered animals was kind of, like, a question I had right away that was, like, wouldn't humans be affected? But obviously that's that's not the case because people are eating other people, but um, that was a little piece that I was, like, is that kind of a... Yeah, it's like, how did where did nature draw the line? Mm -hmm. Because, like, you know, monkeys, apes, or whatever, like, they say that we've evolved from that, the primates of of that, I don't know, classification of animals. So, like, where was the line? It's kind of just, it just makes you think, like, why, why are we good to go? Well, like, the interesting thing with it, too, is, like, it only comes from animals, and, like, Humans can get it from animals, but humans can't get it from other humans. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's just, like, weird. Like, how is it not transmitted between human and human, but, like, it's still transmitted from animal. And by the way, like, I don't think I could ever just, like, execute my pet. No. Like. (laughs) I would keep him in my basement. I'd be like, fuck you all. Like, (laughs) he's still in my house. (laughs) Yeah. God. Let alone sacrifice myself, but yes. (laughs) (laughs) True. Yeah. Sorry, that's probably... We kind of talked about this before, but, like, when we were trying to figure out how society got to this point in the book, like, did somebody realize that their dog was rabid? Or, like, how how did society find out that, like, pets were unsafe? I don't think society, like, found... Okay, so, like, I have this question for, like, the end of the podcast, but we should just bring it up now. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think it was, like, a hoax from the government? Like, do you think they made up this virus? Mm. Or do you think 
it is like legit. Cause like that could even like translate into the real world too, for like a lot of things too. Like what, what is fake that the government has made up if we want to get into conspiracy theories, but Mm -hmm. let, let's stick with this for now. But, um, yeah, like was, we don't know how it officially like started. Like, did the government just like come out and say it? Like, I don't know. I kind of feel like it might be a hoax. I will say I'm one that would also love to speculate Yeah, (laughs) the options. Right. Um, I will say, I feel like realistically, if it was something that came from the government, it was like accidental or something that came out not on purpose. Well, you could also think like population control. Like, Mm. did the government make this up to like control the population? Maybe. And like from what you've said earlier, it's kind of like it, it, it kind of brings up capitalism in a way, like Mm -hmm. how like the low, like feed the high, you know? Yeah. So, like, were they trying to control, like, the lesser, uh, no, I don't want to say lesser, but, like, the, you know. Like, yeah, the not as wealthy yeah, um, and try classification to, like, of the, our communities, yeah, you know, yeah. low income. So, like, were they trying to, like, control that, you know? Yeah, I would say, like, at first in the beginning of the book, I would have said no, where I was like, oh, this is the author pointing to the fact that there's so many conspiracy theories out there. People are like, COVID is fake and all these things and whatever. Yeah. And, like, people would look for excuses to blame the government for something that they believe is not true. And so that's what my initial thought was. But then going through the book and how he, like, played with those puppies at the zoo and, like, nothing ever happened because of that. I am starting to wonder if like maybe it was, you know? Yeah, hmm. exactly. And at the zoo, like if we're bringing up that puppy time, well, so he sees the puppies twice, right? From what I remember. Yes. Well, the second time with the teenagers, like one bit the teenager, but they yeah. never went into like what happened to that. No. Teenager. So like, I wonder, cause like it can get transmitted through like bites and stuff. Probably is transmitted through like, just about anything, like how yeah. his sister was always like, you got to have an umbrella with you when you're outside so a bird doesn't <laughs> shit on you. It's yeah. like, okay, bird shit does it. Like, you're yeah. screwed right? no matter what. Like, Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. I just, I kind of feel like it's like a hoax, but. And the interesting thing, too, just a little side note, I think, do you know when the book came out? I think it was like 2017. Yes, it's a newer book. But. It was translated to English in 2020, right when the oh really right when COVID hit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. So, just an interesting fact, but yeah, yeah, it definitely makes you think. <laughs> so let's get into like the nitty gritty of this book. So, the main character goes to many different places that have to do with meat production. He goes to the tannery where that's where they take the skins and use them for, I don't know, clothing, products, whatever. It's just, it's so sick. But like, Disgusting. Yeah, he goes there. He goes to the breeding center. I want to talk about this one for a second because this, I think, is the point where I was like, holy shit, this book is disgusting. Where he was talking about like the men and women that are in these like cattle stalls or naked They were talking about how, like, when the women are pregnant, oftentimes they have their arms and their legs cut off so they can't try to, like, abort their baby. It was just, like, 
way over the top. Like I was so sick to my stomach. Like this is yeah. the second time we've read this book and still I was like, holy crap, this is like a lot. Mm-hmm. Like what are your guys's, what were your thoughts like getting into this like really I will, stuff? <laughs> I will say the majority of this book I listened to over an audible um, and I happened to be training for a marathon at the same time. So there was like multiple times when I was running and I would just like, feel like there's a sense of something behind me while I was running. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, maybe it was motivating me to run faster, which maybe was a good thing. But <laughs> I, um, <laughs> overall, I couldn't last too long with listening to it and had to change the music because I'm like, wow, this is, you know, as disgusting as it can get type deal. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I will say I started this book kind of hoping maybe it was going to be more of that scary fear of like The Conjuring or Insidious if you've ever seen those, but it very much was more on like the Saw side of movies where yeah. it was like just brutal, gruesome, Yeah, not that scare tactic, but just utmost disgust. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I obviously like I those... Those um, scenes would bother literally anyone. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope so. But it's like, because you can put yourself in that situation. Exactly. Yeah, I just like the thought I had was like, who thinks of this stuff? And that'll let you bring up Saw. Me and David actually just like watched all the Saw movies up until like we haven't seen the one in theaters yet. But like, who, like as we were even watching that, it's like who thinks of this shit? Like, mm-hmm. how do you think of this? And like, that's what I thought. Like reading it too, like. How do you think of this? Like, well, and like, so we can get into the the underlying topics of this book, factory farming, whatever. But it's like, I'm having a hard time tying this stuff to that. I mean, in a sense, where like, you know, the living conditions are poor and the breeding and all that. Like, I see that, but like, cutting off the arms and legs, and like, the thing yeah. too that's hard to to get past is that. Humans are very smart, a very smart species. I mean, obviously we are because we've evolved to this point versus other animals. And so these humans in these conditions are very aware of what's going on. Okay. So this is very controversial too, because I disagree with that. Oh, really? Yeah. Because humans, they learn so much. So we learn so much from like our early childhood. Mm -hmm. Like those are like the critical like developmental periods and these people are, like, not going through that. Okay. Like, they're not taught how to read. They don't know anything about the outside world. They're literally, like, being raised in these, like, slaughterhouses as animals. So you think they... So that they, I don't think they're aware. Their recollection is of animal limitations. Yeah. I think that, like, the first set, however, like, the first set of people got, like, put into the situation, obviously no yeah because like they were i'm i don't know how they had it happened, a life but, before it yeah but like they're raised pretty much as animals like they i don't think they have any idea which kind of brings it back to that beginning point of like is there really a difference <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah. from yeah. us in a yeah. line you know obviously uh, in the way nature works is a lion will chase down a zebra and eat it so like is it that bad for a human <laughs> right to go after another human <laughs> that's true yeah. i guess like my view on their awareness is how they try to abort their babies they're extremely fearful but you could argue that true. animals are afraid like mm-hmm. they suit they say you don't want to scare cattle before the 
processing yeah, point. Like toughens the meat. Yeah. Or right? Yeah. So there's all that. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on like animals when they're in these situations, but yeah. like it to me, it feels like these humans are a little bit smarter. I, f- I think they animals. have like the basic like fear. Like mm-hmm. I think like they can like have those basic feelings, but I don't think they like understand like because i feel like when animals get scared they're like scared but they don't understand like why yeah yeah they just know there's a threat yeah there could be an argument there though too if what if they can understand but they were just never taught language so they can't express it in the way we would understand but how would they understand when the only thing that they've seen is the four walls that they're stuck in you know and I think mm. they see like other humans being put in these like yeah, threatening situations or like yeah. this is really fucked up too, but some like the rape that happens in there too yeah. that we read about, like they've obviously seen that and like Yeah. I'm sure that that's probably like freaking them out. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's like that could even be the same with animals. Like if if someone like, for example, okay, so this is just hypothetical, but like a family has three dogs and like the family mistreats one of the dogs constantly like Mm -hmm. abuses the dog kicks the dog the other dogs are probably gonna be fearful because they're like watching that happen so like that's Mm -hmm. like the same situation like Mm -hmm. if they're seeing that happen they're seeing like that the victim is like being like is scared and like obviously not enjoying what's going on you know yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's Regardless, it's tough to read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What about the butcher shop? So it's kind of similar to butcher shops we know today. Different cuts of meat that you can purchase. Ugh. It's so tough, though, thinking about human body parts in that situation. Yuck. Disgusting. Also, can we talk about Marcos cheating? Was he cheating? when he would go hook up with the butcher shop owner. So he like, there's not a ton of dialogue in this book. I don't know if you guys noticed this. Yeah. (laughs) It felt very unstructured. I will say (laughs) it felt like I just opened someone's journal and probably shouldn't have been reading it and led somewhere. Regretting (laughs) it. Regretting opening it. Um, Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Cause he talks about having like hooked up with her in the past. And then in the book he does after, a hard day at work. So, like, what were your guys' thoughts on his character when this was happening? Like, were you like, he's a no good, dirty, cheating son of a bitch? Or, like, what? Well, what he was separated, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yes and no. We were on a break. Were they, like, yeah, were they <laughs> ever, like, officially separated? Like, yeah. I mean, he was in the mindset of he lost his son. Mm-hmm. He kind of lost his wife. Yeah. Um, and he's in this apocalyptic world. Yeah. So, I mean, I honestly, I can't imagine how I would be. Yeah. What are the rules of marriage in this situation? (laughs) I mean, I don't think any, I mean, obviously cheating to me is not okay. But like, yeah, I feel like there's not like so much context given where it's like, I don't know. It's like hard to. Yeah. In this world, you're like, where's the line? Yeah. I think for me, this part actually like made me question him because we're led like through this whole book that he doesn't like to eat the meat and he's just kind of fed up with society and all these things. And like, yeah, but then when he would go and do that, I was kind of like, he's not exactly like Mm. Jesus. But like when you compare (laughs) the two though, like cheating, 
eating humans. Like, it's like <laughs> <laughs> there's obviously one that's like way worse. I think. It's kind of funny though, even the fact that us being like, oh, you know, he wasn't the biggest fan of eating humans. We're like, you know, he's a pretty decent guy. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> he had it. He dabbled a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Jeez. Yeah, like trying to justify his character, like the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just yeah, based on like how his viewpoints are on eating. Yeah, people. Yeah. All right. Well, what about like the processing plant or the slaughterhouse where uh. he works? <laughs> that was tough. Yeah, that was very tough. I I think this is actually a probably a a really good example that you mentioned earlier, Emily, on how it can kind of be related to capitalism in the sense that you have to, like, you know, we all live and we all have to work. We all have to get our paychecks and we all have to go home. And he's in the scenario where he has his dad in that specifically 24 seven secured um, nursing home facility. Mm -hmm. And obviously from the sounds of that, we didn't, it didn't dig too deep in the relationship between him and his dad, but, um, to me, that proves that he really does care about his dad and hopes mm-hmm. that he does have a good, you know, rest of his life. So I think him willing to kind of swallow the pill of what that job entails and moving and and being able to afford his dad in that 24-7 security nursing home kind of says a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. I mean, it's there's probably so many people out there that are in not probably as extreme of situations, but, you know, you're like you got to take care of your family and your job isn't really what you want out of life, but it pays the bills kind of thing. Like Mm -hmm. he's just kind of going through the motions. It's like just to even think too, like that there has to be like a 24 seven security nursing home is Mm -hmm. fucked. It's pretty sick. And like how, when his dad passes, he is with his dad the entire time to the the crematorium to make sure that that actually happens. So not only is this dystopian world like breeding humans for meat, anybody is fair game. That's what's so scary about this, too, is like you might think like you're one of those upper class citizens that's not going to be meat. But there's really no guarantee. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like if anybody breaks the law or second guesses anything like you're fair game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're going to the slaughterhouse. That's what's so terrifying about this world. Exactly. I will say it, it really reminds me of like the Stanford ex- prison experiment. If you guys have heard of that before. No. Oh, you haven't. Tell us. I feel like I might have. So <laughs> this was one of, in one of my psychology courses. They talked about how, well, they literally set up a test environment of these people that volunteered to be prisoners and mm-hmm. people that volunteered to be like the guards of this prison. Yeah. Um, so mind you, both were very much like willing parties at the beginning. Um, but over an, exp- gosh, it wasn't even that long. I feel like it was in the neighborhood of weeks. I'd, I'd have to double check, but it was a matter of like days before these volunteer guards were treating these prisoners terribly, like awful, like mm-hmm. to the point of stripping them naked and like having them do things to each other. Yeah. Like Jeez. things that almost made it like, like we're not in a third world country here where this prison is off the map. We're talking about cameras in here and like visible. There's a movie on it too that, that, that made, I, I, I'd have to do a little bit more research to get better details, but it was kind of exposing how our human nature can really be affected by, you know, maybe not as in controlled of an environment and how far humans are willing to go um, kind of given off the roles they think they're supposed to be playing. 
that oh makes my sense. gosh it's pretty Jeez. it's pretty scary yeah but, yeah wow that that kind of had me think like in this type of apocalyptic world where there's not super strong authority or controlling people like it's pretty crazy how far off the rails things can really go yeah yeah i mean you think about two like survival instincts like people just the things that they will do in like survival movies or whatever like mm-hmm. willing to some eat people in movies yeah. like just when you are in a certain situation like how your values change yeah there's like that one movie and it's based on a true story i think you've seen it where the plane full of like a soccer team or something like crashes in the mountains or something yes i love that show didn't they reserve resort to eating each Mm -hmm. other yes i haven't seen it but yes i've heard of it yeah yellow your parents actually recommended it to us so nick and i love that show and you're exactly correct like it's a soccer team that crashes in like the mountains dead of winter. Like they find a little old cabin to like survive in, but it gets to the point where they cannot find animals or anything to eat. Mm. And when one passes away, that's food basically. And it was based, it's based on a true story. It it? is. I'm pretty sure. There there was, there was, I don't know if they ever found them or if that was recovered, but I do know there was an airplane full of like a you know a pretty yeah. prestigious soccer team that wow. went missing yeah mm-hmm. i didn't know that was based on a true story yeah but in the movie like they're 95 they're sure. in there for like 18 months yeah so mm-hmm. obviously like if you're not finding food like you have to find other means yeah. yeah it's crazy i wonder if we're talking about the same one though because i don't think they found a cabin i think they were surviving the one i'm thinking of i think they were literally surviving in the crash plane oh well, but it what could, you described uh, sounds like yellow jackets. Okay. Hmm. I mean, maybe, maybe it is the, the same one. Maybe in like the real world scenario, they were just in a plane. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, great yeah, show. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was based on a true story. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. All right. Well, what about, what are you guys' thoughts on like the special me in the suburban household? So Marcos like goes and visits his sister who has two young children and she's like trying to get him to sell her like meat for cheap and her kids are just the absolute worst they're like looking at him trying to decide like what he would taste like like the fuck also (laughs) did you think it was interesting how his sister said like stop playing that game like we don't eat people what are you savages yeah like she's not like like what what does that even mean like what yeah craziness honest like like Bringing it to that propaganda of like, I'm pretty sure they described like a commercial of like, oh, it's a, like a nuclear family here mm-hmm. having special meat type deal. It, it it really reminded me of like World War II times, honestly, like when they had these different propaganda ads of like, oh, maybe there's a nuclear attack and you're like, bend down, crouch under your desk, like, so that you're safe. Just like that type of advertisement yeah, that's like yeah. so fucked and like so... Sorry, I don't know if I can swear. You can. <laughs> I've already explicit. dropped like four. Yeah. Okay, okay, my bad. So you're good. Um, you can say that word in this episode. Fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> so fuck. But it. you know, just that type of advertisement where it's like so sad that it even needs to exist, but it's like presented so happily. Quote I know. It's yeah. No, weird. I totally get what you're saying. Where it's like this happy family, like eating human. You're like, what? Yeah. yeah. It's it's just like I just feel like society is so brainwashed by the government with that like mm-hmm. yeah it's it's disgusting. 
It's like all I can say about it is just gross. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like we see it through Marco's eyes. He has like a very practical take on like the whole thing, just like how messed up her children are and how like his sister acts like they don't have very much money, but really they're kind of like the typical like middle income white family that's like mm-hmm. well, I don't know if they're white, but I'm just gonna make that assumption that's the typical I stereotype think this is based of like in Argentina. Yeah. So. But like acting like though they don't have the means or whatever, but they're really like higher class than like what probably most people are yeah surviving off of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's wild. I do think it's important, too, to mention that, yeah, the main character, he's probably arguably in the top 1%, so his, like, view of everything is extremely skewed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, a couple other things he experiences is, like, the testing of humans. And, like, there's also mention of, like, organ transplant. He goes to this, like... L- laboratory where they're actually using real humans in like crash testing and it's it's sick because like in the real world right like they use the dummies like that that's good enough yeah and then but then the whole testing of like you think about animal cruelty and like prescriptions medications makeup you know being tested on animals it's like you're replacing that with a human yeah that's pretty tough to stomach for me honestly oh i agree but then like i'm not i'm not justifying this at all but like it makes you think too like if they're using for example like the crash testing stuff it makes you think like are the dummies enough you know like Mm -hmm. are we just like led to believe that or like because like obviously there's so many people that die in accidents every year so like right are i'm not not justifying it no, you're but, just speculating. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Just... I would not be one to sign up to volunteer. Oh, hell no. Me either. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. and, like, even with the organ transplants. So, like, you know how they they say they're trying, like, pig hearts and things for, like, humans to use? Yeah. And we're like, oh, groundbreaking science, whatever. But then, like, think about it. If you replace that with a human, it's, like, that same argument we were having earlier with, like, the whole meat thing is it's, like... Yep. Is that acceptable? Mm-hmm. You know, like just thinking about it, like these pigs being raised. But again, it's like, well, if you if you were to put yourself in, say you're a parent and your child needs a heart and you're like, okay, the pig heart is going to save my child. Obviously you're for it, right? Like yeah. there, it's just, it really makes you think and I'm not trying to like justify one thing over the other or saying this is like how we should believe Mm-hmm. That thing should be done, but it just really, it boggles the brain. It's just, I think, like, this book and, like, when you bring up situations like that, like, it really shows, like, what a human will do to kind of, if it if it provides a benefit to them. Mm-hmm. And we'll, there's a question at the end of this that we're going to, like, go more into that. But, yeah, like, if you'll do whatever it takes to, like, help yourself or help, like, your loved ones. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. All right. couple more things to mention. So, the whole hunting of humans. So, there's, like, this game center where people can go and hunt people. And a lot of them are actually well-known, like, celebrities, whatever, people of the media that owe a lot of money And they're willing to go through this situation to pay off debts or to be, like, 
excused of their debts or crimes or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, okay, if you survive this hunting escapade, like you are free of all, all these things. And so they are hunting people too. And they like men or they like pregnant women because they fight. Oh my God. Another thing hard to stomach. Yeah. I, you brought this up. I also thought about this. If you listen to past episodes, literally, actually, I don't think we did an episode on hunting Adeline, but this is like straight from hunting. Adeline. Literally. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I want to say there was a portion. And I, I hope I'm remembering this correctly, but where it, they even mentioned how like maybe some famous celebrities would make a comment on like social media or like Twitter and, it was almost like in this type of environment, their form of like being, uh, what's the word? Canceled was like literally people trying to find them and eat them. Oh my God. Oh my God. Yeah. No, 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 no. That definitely was in the book. Yeah. Oh my God. But it's just weird because then like a celebrity or this rock star or whatever in the book is like shot down and they go and eat him. And Marcos is like, I don't want to eat him, but he doesn't want to be rude. So they're like going through that whole like dining situation and they're like, Oh, this is about his body part. And this, and it's just like, they're all laughing. I was like, what is wrong with these people? Like the part so sick. The part that like really got me during that scene was when I think like the head, I don't remember the name, but like the head guy who like shot him or whatever, got like the tongue and the other guy's like, Oh, maybe you'll sing just like him now. Yeah. yeah. What the hell? Disgusting. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just seems like there was no area that you couldn't go with this book. There's mm-hmm. no line. Yeah. Yeah. The same thing with like, let's get in the church sacrifices if Ugh. we're into that point. But like how these people in this church community like offer themselves up as food for like the hungry homeless. And a lot of them had second thoughts in the situation. So they go to the processing plant and they're like, I'm going to donate my body to feed the hungry. They get into like the processing areas and they're like, just kidding. Like, I I don't want to do this. Like I want to live. And they just get knocked over the head and it's like too bad. Your food. Where's the line? Like there, you have no rights in this world. Like if you change your mind on being food too bad. That's mm-hmm. what's so scary. It yeah, it that part bothers me so much because like at this point, like with the woman that she was like a young woman who sacrifices herself, and like she's like all for it. Didn't they say like the church kind of like drugs them a bit too, or something like that? The church doesn't really know what happens, honestly. No, like before they go there, I thought I I, I could be wrong, but I thought I read something because I know like they'll like sedate them at the factory. Yeah. But I swear, like, the church, they said something about, like, the church kind of, like, like, drugs them in a sense to, like, get them to, like, be calm. Yeah. But I can't remember if that's, like, true. But anyway, yeah, like, with the young female, like, how she, after the church left, like, she was, like, running away. Like, let her, just let her go. Like, yeah. why do you like, need you to got, follow through? You got a lot of other options yeah. in here. Like, like, the slaughterhouse doesn't even like the church anyway. Like, they said that multiple times. Like, they hate yeah. dealing with them. Just let her go. She mm-hmm. probably won't go back, <laughs> you know? No. 
So I feel like, yeah, every example in here is just like, there is no sort of exception or like saving grace. This book will not give you any kind of hope or like even glimpse. If you ever think there is something like, oh, maybe there's a glimmer. Maybe someone (laughs) is actually going to do the right thing here. You'll never get that satisfaction within this book. Exactly. Uh, No. I think, I think the piece that irked me in a moment was, I can't remember who said it to who, but there was a moment where someone simply smiled at another person and it was described as showing off their skeleton. It wasn't like, they're like, I can't believe someone smiling used to be a form of like attractiveness or like showing, you know, happiness, like Like a good thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was the fact that even something as mundane or something as simple as a simple smile was even attacked in this book kind of goes to show the lengths of which this can this book really goes. That's crazy. Uh, I don't remember that part, but, but oof. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's just tough because like going into this book, you're like, all right, there's the lower people that are meat, and then there's you know normal people that are in society that they are not meat. It's really not like that though. It's like mm-hmm. anybody is fair game. Yeah. You break the law, you're just as good as dead. Mhm. Yeah, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um so, well, moving on from that, Marcos is gifted a um what is it called? The first generation first generation pure, pure female. Uh, he, do you remember why he got gifted? Just because we're doing a good job at work or something like that? Yeah, I think it was like they had, I don't know, it was like they had a spare or something and they were just kind of like, you've always been loyal and like we had extras, (laughs) like we brought one to you. Ew. Yeah. Well, he doesn't like know what to do with her at first. Um, so he kind of like sticks her in the barn, but then Mm -hmm. like eventually he becomes attracted to her and he like... Names her Jasmine because she smells like Jasmine. Mm-hmm. Um, he starts, like, bathing her. And then eventually, like, she, like, moves into the house. Um, I don't know if we mentioned, like, because before you mentioned, like, the pregnant women get their arms and legs cut off and stuff. Well, all of them get their vocal cords cut. Yeah. Because they can't talk. So, like, she can never talk. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't, he, like, doesn't want to teach her how to, like, he teaches her how to do stuff. Like, how to manage, like, fire, like, from the stove and, like um how to like i think like turn the tv on and like that the tv's not actually like a threat and yeah she was like scared of it at first but like he doesn't want to teach her how to read because she'll never enter society as someone who can like communicate yeah, or coexist. even yeah. coexist yeah. yeah it's just it's sick mm-hmm. <laughs> um but yeah so he's gifted this female and he just kind of starts to like fall for her and yeah um so we talked briefly about the puppies at the zoo earlier um do you think that like him finding those puppies at the zoo changed Margot's thinking about the female in his barn I think it kind of flipped a switch a little bit because he was already going through it. Like, he's got a lot on his plate with, like, his marital issues and his father. And he doesn't agree with how things are run in this society. He's not a big fan of the special meat situation. So, like, 
I think he kind of snaps when he's playing with the puppies and he realizes he's not in danger. Yeah. And he's kind of like, okay, maybe the government lied to us. I don't really give a fuck. And he just is like, nobody else is following the rules around here. So, like, I'm not going to either. And Mm -hmm. I don't know if, like, in the moment he was like, I want a baby or I want to do something controversial. Like, he just kind of snaps, I think. Yeah. In this moment. Yeah. It just seems like yet another example of, like, some glimmer of, like, here's something nice. Like, maybe here's something that's coming positive or even in the topic before of, you know, him being gifted this this FGP female mm-hmm. um, and having her training her, it's like building all these, like maybe there is hope. Mm-hmm. Maybe there is some traction being made here. A romance of story. Something <laughs> first. Romance God's story sake. in the most fucked like, up book. Yeah. Can, like give me some sort of grasp that I have, that we as a reader can have hope that there's going to be something good to come. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's no, or all spoilers are allowed during this. Totally, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yep, we're so spoiling it. it's so. just, you know, obviously having read it, it's it's sad to see the number of things that seem so positive and seem so like something is coming, and yet it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think like her point though is to make you uncomfortable, you know? 100%. So, <laughs> obviously, well, just Good like, job. just like the goriness, obviously, like that makes anyone uncomfortable. But like, just those hidden, like, themes in the book, and just like, she keeps like offering like little glimpses and like glimmers of hope, but like, mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, not given. Mm-hmm. Um, so we find out Jasmine is eight months pregnant. And like I said earlier, she's living in the house. Um, Marco's dad, like he kind of goes through it all right now. So he's like happy about her being pregnant. Mm-hmm. And his dad just dies. Um, he heads to the zoo and like releases his ashes in the zoo. And he ends up filling the dirt or the urn with dirt to give to his sister. Um, but somewhere around this time, I can't remember when it was, he walks in the zoo and finds these teenagers like messing with these puppies and the puppies are getting like brutally murdered by these teenagers. This part of the book, I don't know what it is about like movies, books, anything where the animal like dies, but that like is one of the things that bothered me the fucking most. Yeah. In the I... Book. I've this we've read this two times now. I cannot figure out what the point of this was. I think so. I think a lot. Of, well, cause I, I've I did a lot of research on this and like what people's thoughts were on this like part of the book and like a lot of people made a good point. Like the reason why you're so pissed off about it, and you could even argue this with like the head that are in like the slaughterhouses and stuff. But, like, the puppies are so innocent, and mm-hmm. they're just getting, like, tossed around, thrown against the wall. Like, it's Yeah, sick. they literally play baseball with the puppies. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Makes my stomach churn. Exactly. But, like, that's even just, like, even in movies, too. Like, when the dog dies, I'm, like, devastated. But when, like, in that same movie, when a human dies, I'm, like, <laughs> like, eh. so desensitized. Yeah. Like, why is that? <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, I just wanted to see what you guys, like, thought about that. Because, like, that part bothered me so bad in the book. It's it's pulling on the strings of innocence, right? Yeah, you can't, exactly. If someone is, I mean, and, and if, if, like, 
if any person dies, it's sad. If an older person dies, yes, it's sad. It's but sad, it's but... like, you know, at least they lived their life. At least they, you know, obviously didn't. If someone dies at a very young age, that's kind of, I would say, more comparable to the strings of these puppies just because yeah. it's like young, innocent, and, like, you yeah. know, at the expense of people around them to help them and no one does. That's when I think true sadness comes out. Yeah. Yeah, it's this book just makes you question yourself because you're like, why does this actually like makes me want to shut this book more so than like I know. the people getting eaten? Like, I don't know. It's just. Yeah. But I wonder, too, if she's like if she's like, OK, because we talked about this earlier. She's a vegetarian. She wants the readers to like compare this like you're if you're eating at a restaurant and you have a steak on your plate and she wants you to think like oh, this steak came from a living thing, a cow. And, but she wants you to put that in the perspective of like, okay, what if this was like human? I wonder if she brought the puppies in there to like kind of remind you like, hey, these are like living animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're getting brutally murdered in a way that like the the meat market, the meat industry does today. Yeah. It's almost like we're desensitized to the factory farming. It's yeah. almost like, well, that's what provides food on the table yep mm-hmm. a puppy getting hit with a baseball bat is so wrong but yeah. it's like where what's the difference here yeah because like, they're getting hit with baseball bats and well you know and like the in humans some countries. are getting clubbed they're well, getting hit no, too I, no i know but like even just like comparing it to like how the meat market is today and like yeah. how the conditions like the animals are raised in and stuff i think I don't think she's like necessarily telling everyone to be a vegetarian, but I think she wants people to be aware of like what is actually going on. And there's like mm-hmm. a lot of like documentaries on Netflix you can watch with that too, like of factory farming and all yeah. that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, it's crazy. So I do wish there was at least some sort of form of a, like a solution. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know, like obviously like you can it's easy to point your finger in any direction and say this is a problem, this is a problem, but like coming up with the actual good plan of like replacing that with something that's at least somewhat proven to be successful mm-hmm. or doesn't have repercussions that are along the same lines of you know, animals or insects or just whatever the repercussion might be of things dying or being affected then I feel like maybe, like at least for myself, would have much more open ears to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's just me. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I totally agree. It's like she took the worst of everything and made a horror book, and just kind of mm-hmm. like it's like she dropped the mic. Yeah. And like walked away, and we're all mm-hmm. left to sit here questioning ourselves and society. Not like that's a bad thing. Like I'm always up for, you know, questioning things and yeah. like rethinking. But it's like. Great. (laughs) Thank you for this. Yeah. Honestly, this book made me think more of like, not specifically to meet, but just like specifically to decisions that I make for myself and what the repercussions of those are, whether that be ordering something from Amazon or maybe being invested in some show or, you know, channel on TV. Like, what does my attention going towards this mean on the back end? And that's what this book truly got from me is just like making sure that decisions I make, I'm okay with the repercussions behind it as well. Yeah. That is such a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think everyone should be thinking like that, honestly. Yeah. Sounds like I need to educate myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, really, I guess, so a couple kind of big things happen at the end of this book. So after his father passes, like, he returns home. We mentioned that Jasmine is pregnant from, like, his earlier decisions in the book. She has gone into labor, and, like, the fluid that he notices coming from her is green, which is, like, a sign of infection. And he panics, like worried that something's gone wrong he calls his ex-wife cecilia who we have learned is a nurse and so she comes not really knowing what's going on she's just like okay you need help whatever like shows up realizes that he got like an fgp pregnant and at first she's like what the heck like this is illegal like why'd you do this and he was like kind of like well we need to have my baby or whatever and like after the baby is like safely delivered he basically says like we will take care of this baby and like knocks out jasmine and like really the book ends with like cecilia saying why'd you do that like we could have used her for more children Mm -hmm. so it's just like a i would call it a plot twist honestly like i didn't see this happening at the end i didn't either definitely not (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because, like, the whole book, you're, like, thinking this guy's going to be, he's, like, good. Like, he, yeah. and then all of a sudden he just does, like, a U-turn. You know what's interesting, though, is, like, having read this book the second time, like, I knew how it ended, so I went back through it with a critical eye. Yeah. And I was like, all right, let's look for, like, the signs. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. He, whenever he talks about Jasmine, he's talking about the baby inside of her. He really? doesn't, yeah, he doesn't talk about, like, I'm worried for Jasmine's safety or I'm worried about Jasmine. I want to spend time with Jasmine. It's more of, like, treating her like a vessel almost. Ugh. Like, he just is really wanting this baby. He wants to raise his baby and and Jasmine's just kind of, like, serving a purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. It's almost like this apocalyptic world kind of almost pushed him to think that way and anything he could do to get the somewhat of a life he had before he lost his son to get that life back mm-hmm. is he was willing to do anything to get that kind of environment back in his, you know, with his wife coming back, Cecilia, now the baby's there. It's like, he's almost quote unquote complete again. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of filling a void. Yeah. 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 Well, that kind of goes into the question. Um, so like, obviously, like I said, like, through the first section of the book, you're kind of, the reader's kind of, like, led to believe that Marcos is, like, he's being portrayed as, like, the good guy in a sense, like, he doesn't eat the special meat. He's kind of, like, against everything that's, like, going on, but he does it because he needs to pay for his dad's, like, um, uh, nursing home and everything. Um, But in the second part, we find out, like, that he actually, like, helped design the whole system, like, parts of it, and that he isn't, like, that, good of a guy after all like why do you think the author chose to reveal things this way i think that it was yeah like you said it was kind of like pulling the curtain on us like we didn't totally think he was a good guy but we don't we didn't think he was a bad guy either Mm -hmm. i think it was kind of showing how It's how all of us feel. And I think you can see that in like this podcast episode. Certain things make us uncomfortable while other things were were kind of like, well, that's how, you know, society is. Like, I think he has qualms. Like, he's like, these 
you know, eating the meat or whatever makes me uncomfortable, but these things are where I'm willing to compromise. I think it kind of shows like just how the human mind works. Like we're all different. We have different experiences. We're okay with different things. We're triggered by other things. So I think it was kind of showing how he, where he draws a line, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think this is a great example of conformity specifically. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen that example of like, they'll have, let's say eight test subjects that are all in on this program. And then one person at the end of this that has no idea that everyone is in on it, but they would say, which line is longer? And they would point at A, which is clearly longer than B, and then B, which is a short line. So it's clearly shorter than A. And they'll go down the line of everyone that's in on it and say, which line is shorter? And then first person will say B, second B, third B, fourth B, when the clear answer is A. But because everyone had said, you know, (laughs) the wrong answer, the last person almost always will just go along with what everyone said because they don't want to be that one person standing out. out. Yeah. And I think that that shows, you know, everyone around Marcos is, you know, comfortable with doing these crazy things and comfortable with kind of creating this psychotic world normal. It makes it almost like ABC, one, two, three. Yeah. (laughs) Which is crazy. Yeah, that's such a good point. Mm -hmm. Um, For me, I just think the author, like, that that is a really good point. I, I didn't even think about that. But for me, like, I think, obviously, she's trying to get you to, like, empathize with Marcos and, like, believe that he's sharing the same, like, beliefs and, like, the disgust as you, like, with everything that's, like, going on. But then, like, when she reveals who she really is, she wants you to, like, reflect on, like, people, how people in society can, like, compromise their values to benefit themselves. Like, how I mentioned earlier, like, with this situation, like, how he, he was, like, so against, like, from what we were told, the way that things are going, just, like, how, like, the slaughterhouses and, like, how he doesn't want to eat meat, but then because he's getting a kid out of it, he's willing to sacrifice his own values just to like benefit himself and like he got his wife back Mm -hmm. he has a kid now and yeah so yeah do you guys think that he was planning to get his wife back all along or because like he found himself between a rock and a hard place he was kind of like i know that he wanted a kid all along but do you think like his wife was part of the picture along or was it more like she kind of was there with the delivery and he was like, oh, it's baby for us. You know what I mean? I think like after he found out she was pregnant, he probably imagined, well, he's always imagined that life and he had that life with his wife and yeah. like having a kid. So I wonder, like, I think he just still kind of like imagined that being his life. And then like yeah. when the kid was possible, the new baby was possible, then he's like probably thinking more of his wife and maybe yeah. wanting to bring her in again. Can we ask how the wife felt about that? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> obviously she was like chill with it. In the end, she was like, okay. Yeah. Well, she was like so obviously like she should be, but like devastated about losing her child. So I think, again, like she's also <laughs> sacrificing her values to get a kid out of it. Like, yeah. You know, like, well, they say that like the author was talking about how she struggled with fertility Mm. yeah um but also i thought it was interesting how marcos wasn't reaching out to her 
Like she was like, why don't you call me anymore? And like, you're acting different. And so that's kind of why I was like, Mm. was she kind of a cop out in the end? Mm -hmm. Or was she always in the picture? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, I know it's hard to say because yeah, yeah, you don't, the author doesn't get into it and it's just up for our interpretation. So there was one piece there where I wasn't sure, you know, we never got a full understanding of the relationship really between Marcos and his dad. And I, I am curious if the death of his dad played a big role in him deciding to whack Jasmine at the end or not. Cause, yeah. at, cause you know, he, he seemed like loving and it seems like these sparks were flailing, um, between them. At least I only read it once, so you reading it twice, maybe that is beneficial. But um, I always thought, you know, he had his dad who he seemed like was really the only person he respected for the majority of the book Mm -hmm. or cared for. And once he passed, then it was like, okay, now the switch snapped. I don't know if that switch would have snapped still if his dad was still alive. Yeah. Um, but it did seem like it was his last kind of grasp at his old life before this apocalyptic change. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause his dad was like against all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's true. Oof. I wonder what the future holds for him now. <laughs> He's probably just going to get worse. <laughs> I know. No, I definitely think it contributed to that for sure. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. That's a good point. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning of the book, Marco stated that he's incapable of killing the female in his barn. We kind of touched on this a little bit. If there's anything you want to add, but thinking of like what happens in the end, like, do you think what, like what all, what changed in Marcos? Do you think it was just his dad or do you think? I would say two things. One, one. Yes. I would say his dad, his dad was a big change. Someone who respected a lot and he passed away. It's kind of a, last glimmer of hope. But the second thing I would say is we're kind of almost, I don't think we're realizing how much time has passed from the beginning to the end in the sense of, you know, even at the start of COVID, I'm sure that's kind of a good example of like how many people were like, Oh, I'm never going to wear a mask. Screw that. Yeah. And then like a year and a half, two years in like vast majority of people are just wearing it. No question. Yeah. So that kind of relates to, you know, maybe over that time period and over the amount of people that are doing arguably maybe much worse things or if not the same things, it's just kind of a kind of the outcome of osmosis, if you will, of, you know, people's actions rubbing off on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I would go back to what you said earlier about how when he thought at face value, like, taking a hammer or a baseball bat to this woman. Like, he's like, I can't do it. But when his true desires came into play, like being a father again and kind of filling that void, mm-hmm. things were different for him. Where yeah. he was, like, not seeing it as, like, butchering an innocent female. It was more of, like, completing my family, as sick as that sounds. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So... This is pretty much the last question I have for you guys. This is the very last sentence in the book. But what do you think Marcos meant at the end of the book when he said she had the human look of a domesticated animal? I think he thought of her as like a threat almost. 
like right. so domesticated animal, like a pet, right? Mm-hmm. But human look, like she is a pet, but she has the capability of ruining everything. Yeah. Where he was like, she can't be in the picture because I will get in trouble. Like I impregnated an FGP. Like, and back to what I said earlier in this episode, how she's more aware, I think, of most quote unquote animals. I think he was like, she knows exactly what we're doing here and she's a problem. That's how I took it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah. You know, I, again, this has kind of been a theme of what I've mentioned a few times, but I like with the different glimmers of hope and, you know, maybe he's going to change, but I think that statement kind of went full circle of the fact that Marcos maybe had some human nature to him, but it kind of completed that circle that he's insane. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. It kind of just solidified that he's crazy. Like like really. Like or yeah. that he's really truly drink drank the Kool-Aid, Kool-Aid yeah. if you will. Yeah. Of yeah. of that what that world is. So mm-hmm. yeah. I think for me, this last sentence like really made me like kind of reflect on the rest of the book and how I don't think he ever had the intent. Like, I don't think he ever like truly like liked her because like the, she had the human look of a domesticated animal. I just, for me, like what he means by that is like, she was a pet all along, but she just looked like a human. Yeah. So like he never actually had any like good intentions for her. Mm -hmm. Like she would, like you said earlier, was just like a vessel. Yeah for him to use and I feel like that just shows how his true character was and like how he kind of like led you to believe like that he was like against all this but really I don't think he was like I think he had a plan all along and that was to use her and yeah he was like calculated about it yeah yeah yeah. and he just views the head and like all of them as animals you know Mm -hmm. that can be he's really not any different than everybody else. I'm never going to reread this book, but (laughs) if I did, I feel like it would expose, it it would have my optimistic thinking turned off (laughs) and maybe see it more literally for what is actually being said and not me hoping. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You could be critical about it. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, do you guys have anything else you want to add to anything that we didn't cover? Ugh, I think you could you could go hours with this one. I think we talked about a lot of the gruesome stuff, the thought provoking stuff. I'm good, honestly. Chris. All right. Well, <laughs> gosh, yeah. you know, I, if if I say one last thing, I think I would like to. I, I give props to the author in the sense of like challenging the norm. Yeah. Um, I think being that you know, like in that example I said, everyone says line B, line B, line B, just and saying line A. Mm-hmm. I think that's a great example of what she did here yeah um i think she's uncomfortable saying it i think she she said what she truly believes and good for her and i i honestly props to people in general for sticking up for something they truly believe versus kind of sticking with what the norm is yeah um so i i I do disagree with the viewpoint of it (laughs) (laughs) but i do give her props for for believes saying what she believes yeah so totally so, Chris, overall, did you like it? 
Yes or no. (laughs) (laughs) What would you rate it zero to five? Gosh. So I, it's really difficult for me to read books. It's a lot of work on my end. If I'm reading something, I like to read like very factual books that I can truly put things in my back my back pocket and use it later in life. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, the, the main takeaway I got from this was kind of, you know, being uncomfortable with saying what you maybe want to say mm-hmm. would be my main takeaway and slash like understanding that is the decisions you make, understanding the repercussions of that. Um, so that I, I would say those are my main two takeaways. I wouldn't rate it very highly in the sense that uh, other than that, I, I, I didn't like, the unstructuredness of it. It seems so like it just a meandering river kind of going wherever it did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, as a pretty hard critic on this, I would probably give it like a two and a half, but that's just because it's not my style. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. No. Yeah. What about you? Em? Okay. <laughs> this is the second time I've read this book. I'll tell you the evolution of my feelings. So first time I read this book, hated it. I was like, this was fucked. Like, who picked this for book club? Like, terrible. And then a year goes by, and I'm like, well, that book really made me think. Like, Mm -hmm. there was so much to it that I was challenged for. And we talked about it nonstop with this podcast. We're like, we have to have Chris on talk about it. We need to talk about this book. Like, all these things, like you have to do this book when you have a book podcast. Like, how could you not? Yeah. And re- reading it again over the weekend, I was like, this book is so fucked. I hate this book. <laughs> I remember why I hate this book so much. It's so uncomfortable. It pushes you out of everything you've ever believed in. It makes you question yourself. You're like, God, am I a sicko for eating a hamburger? Like, all these things. And... So I would honestly give it like a four and a half because it is a really good book. And we've talked about this before, Paige, where we're like, a book is a five when you can't stop thinking about it. Like it leaves an impact on you. Mm -hmm. I cannot give this book a five because I don't like it. (laughs) I can't give a five to a book I don't like. Okay. I have not enjoyed reading this book ever, but I appreciate the craft. I appreciate everything that this author tried to do because I'm so impressed with her delivery, her ability to freak us out. All the things I'm questioning myself, everything that I think about this book, it's, it's near there, right? Four and a half. So, so for me, I pretty much like echo everything you just said. Mm -hmm. Um, my rating would be a four out of five. I don't remember what I rated it the first time, but. I, like you said, like a five-star book for me is like one that I cannot stop thinking about. And since the first time we read this, like I think about it at least once a month, like at least it comes up. Once a week. It comes up often. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, like you said, like you pretty much echoed everything in my mind. Like it is not enjoyable to read. You're, you're disgusted, makes you want to throw up. Like it's not fun, Mm -hmm. but like the topics that like come out of conversation with this are great. Like mm-hmm. it's, there's so much to think about. And like, I like what you like. The structure of it is a little messy in a way. Like it's not, I feel like it could, it could be written a little better, but I, again, like props to the author for mm-hmm. like, even having the nerve to write something like this. Yeah. Like it's 
<laughs> Oof. But um, no, I. It's hard to say like if you like it or not because no, you don't like it. No. But like I like that it made me think so much. Yeah. You know? mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well. Yeah. Well, props to you for surviving this. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was just going to say re- regarding the structuring, I don't think any of the chapters even had like chapter 18 title of what that chapter is. It was literally chapter 18. Or, yeah. or is that or maybe I haven't read like it. that though. Yeah. Okay. I'm stupid. Yeah. I don't read enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you're not <laughs> stupid. No, no. Yeah. Some books are like that. Okay, never mind. I yeah. think, well, probably what you're talking about, the, the structure was that there wasn't a lot of dialogue either. No. And I brought this up earlier, but like how it didn't totally feel like a book at times because yeah. there wasn't a lot of conversation. Yeah. I feel like the author like wrote in a sense where like she says so little that says so much. Like, oh my you know God, what I yeah. Mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah. So. Which yeah, I do I like. I will say I like quality over quantity. Yeah, um, short book. I appreciate. Well, it Snackable. took me like a month. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. But I appreciate the short well, one. Yeah. yeah, props to you for getting through this. Like, we not only put you on a podcast, we put you on a podcast with one of the most like thought provoking, disgusting, all the things books. <laughs> so. Yeah, this was great. I really hope you want to come back because yeah. <laughs> I loved hearing your thoughts. You're so like, you're out of the box. I love it. Yeah, oh, it's nice to get you. a different point of view. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, it's I, I I'm a very, I'm a pretty logical guy. I'd like to say, you mm-hmm. know, I I like to think, you know, if you can say one thing, then that statement should follow through with various different angles. But mm-hmm. um, no, I appreciate you guys being open to having me. So thank you. Yes, this was, was so. Fun. Fun? (laughs) (laughs) Question mark? Fun. No, it was good. Yeah. Um, Do either of you have anything that you want to recommend that you've read recently or that you want to read just for our readers to... Something I've started reading is a book called Blue Ocean Strategy. Um, That is very much more informational stuff for your back pocket to apply to like career building and things like that. Um, <laughs> I, I've only started it. So it's just to give you kind of high level overview, it's going over. So blue ocean strategy kind of uses the analogy of blue waters being open territory for new developed businesses or products that you might think of uh, kind of an entrepreneurial spirit there. But whereas red waters would be more of like cars or energy drinks or things that are a pretty saturated market. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something I've been studying or not studying, but reading kind of little bits by bits just to kind of pick up little, little facts that I can put in my back pocket to apply in my daily life. But, mm-hmm. um, that is a book that's a good example of more my style. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nonfiction. I think it's hilarious that like, that's your style. And then we give you like the complete opposite. <laughs> to, like, read. But honestly, I think it's so fun to like kind of go out of your like comfort zone and like read something new that you would literally never pick up. Yeah. yeah. Um, d- you were reading a Stephen King book. Did you ever finish that or no? Which one? I have not. No, <laughs> uh, I got through like, gosh, maybe, maybe generously 25% of it so far. It's Billy Summers. Um, uh, okay. I want to say it's a newer book of his. Yeah. Yep. Um, but, that's like the first book that's nonfiction that I picked up in a very, very long time. So I will say he's extremely detailed to the point where I kind of forget where, what the heck's going on. <laughs> yeah. Stephen King is wordy. Mm-hmm. He loves to 
talk about the little details that uh, you could argue don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> Have you read that one? No, but I've read other Stephen King books, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. We're like, just get to the goddamn point. Well, yeah. and that that kind of definitely goes against my like quality versus quantity in my (laughs) (laughs) just just get to your point i don't need to hear how the wind was blowing while you were talking yeah or like all the side (laughs) characters this little person in the town you're like oh my god yeah nobody cares yeah yeah exactly have you read anything recently um i am currently listening to like a mother a feminist journey through pregnancy by angela garbs so a coworker of mine good friend she recommended it to me Starting to educate myself a little bit on motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, not, no exciting news or anything like that to celebrate, but um, just starting to like learn about pregnancy and motherhood and all that. And so um, the author talks a lot about um, things that are, are preached to pregnant women or women that are, exp- are wanting to have children about this is the way you should deliver and these are the things that you should go by when you're pregnant and all that stuff. And she kind of takes a little bit of a spin on it where it's like there really isn't a lot of research on these sorts of things and there isn't a lot of support in women just making decisions for themselves yeah like this is what my body needs this is what I'm comfortable with and so she also talks about her own birth journey about how she wanted to have like a natural delivery and how things took a turn and she had to kind of compromise in a sense for her safety and her baby's safety and so it's been really interesting just kind of reading about like somebody else's personal journey with it and how mm-hmm. she's analyzed all these societal norms about pregnancy and kind of debunking some of them. So it's just yeah. been like very informative. Nice. That kind of sounds, I think I've talked about this on the podcast in the beginning, but that sounds similar to what I'm slowly like cranking at. And mm-hmm. it's another pregnancy book called Expecting Better. I cannot remember the author. I feel like I've seen that off one. the top of my head. Yeah. It is like the same thing, like how it's like it goes into like what doctors tell you should you should do. And then she like she's a data analyst. Mm-hmm. So she like goes into like actual studies and like a ton of them and like good studies that are reputable. And she like shows like, you know, this isn't really that true. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of like what doctors are told to tell you in school. Yeah. And, um, she gives you like the information to make like that informed decision of like about yourself and your body and yeah. Yeah. Like that. she goes into like caffeine intake and like drinking alcohol mm-hmm. and like different medications. And, um, I have to start cause I'm in the third trimester now I'm 34 weeks today and I need to start reading the third trimester one cause I haven't. So like, I like kind of was just like cranking at it. Like I'd read the first trimester part and then the second trimester, you know? So yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's just this world we live in. So much information swirling about. You don't know what to believe. I know. Just like in this book. Could have been the yeah. government, you know? Like <laughs> What the heck? <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Chris. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank really you had for a good time. joining us, listeners. So next week, we are actually taking a little break. I'm going to be out of the country. I'm going to be in Iceland with my husband and my family. So jealous. <laughs> yeah. I'm dying to just get out of here and experience something new. Hell yeah. I yeah. didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Saturday we leave. So. Good for you. Yeah. No episode. Obviously I won't be here. 
Um, but then the following week, the last week in October, we are switching things up a little bit. Me, Paige, and our husbands are going to be doing an episode on our top five spooky season movies. So we're each going to be suggesting our favorite must-watch movies oh, of October. It's so hard to limit to five. I know. I'm struggling so bad. Are we each doing five? Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to do five. Dave is going to do five. Yes. You, okay. So Good. in total, there <laughs> will be 20 movies suggested, which I'm sure... Most of our listeners probably like, I know exactly what you're talking about. That's fine. Me and Nick are actually not telling each other what movies we're thinking. We're taking it very seriously. I so. think I'm going to do that with David too. Yeah, don't tell him. Yeah. It's going to be yeah. surprise. I'm excited to hear everybody's suggestions because yeah. it's just, there's so many things. You could go Halloween Town. You could go Hereditary. You can you can take it anywhere. It's like, what do you want to watch in October? Yeah. So. Conjuring. be a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That movie scares the shit out of me. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. We're getting into it. So tune in end of October. Um, But if you're looking for us on social media, we are the Literary Lounge MN on Instagram and TikTok. We are on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you know this. Um, But we have our own channel where we currently are just posting audio versions. We were doing video versions, um, but just kind of taking a little break as we um, accommodate ourselves with the busy season. So otherwise, you can listen to us on any podcast streaming platform. We appreciate you tuning in every week, and we'll see you in the lounge. Bye. A couple weeks. Bye. Bye -bye. (laughs) Bye-bye.